The horizon is wide and the highway is calling. That means it's time for another episode of American Road Trip Talk. I'm your host, Gary Mounts, with a welcome and an invitation to travel the byways and backroads of yesteryear, searching for America in every incomparable mile. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen. Always glad to have you along for the ride, as it were. Our producer, Eric Ryder, is at the board. He'll make sure we stay in our lane. Today, what a topic we have. Yes, we hit the road, but we also sometimes need to look to the skies. Here's a significant historical number. 23,957. That's the number of days separating the Wright brothers' successful flight at Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, and man's first landing on the moon with the Apollo 11 mission. We're going to go to the Kennedy Space Center Visitor Complex today. There is so much to see, you wonder how you can get it all in on just one tour. Maybe you'd want to go back. The Pride of Merritt Island in Brevard County, Florida, that's where we're going today. And we have an expert, the communications director and PR lady in charge of making that all of that accommodation available to you and easy to get to as well. So much to get into with that being our topic. We look to the skies into the Kennedy Space Center Visitor Complex today on American Road Trip Talk. We'll be back with the interview right after these messages. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days. And I want to bring attention to a life-saving product called Alert Drops. Drowsy driving is one of the most catastrophic problems in America, and Alert Drops will stop it. Kids studying in college, drinking too much caffeine, overloading on these energy drinks. They end up in the hospital. Alert Drops will stop it. What is Alert Drops? Alert Drops is a simple spray on the tongue made out of citric acid, sour lemon, and water, co-created with my uncle, Dr. Henry Heimlich, creator of the Heimlich Maneuver, who said, Anson, Alert Drops will save more lives than the maneuver. Whether you are driving, whether you are studying, whether you're just a tired mom, whenever you need to be alert, get Alert Drops. A simple spray on the tongue, nothing in your system, and you're naturally awake, naturally alert. It's scientifically proven. It's doctor approved. Again, it's natural. It's been honored by the United States Congress. Go to alertjobs.com. Very important. Go to alertjobs.com and stay safe. If you've given travel the green light, then hit the road to Bowling Green, Kentucky, the home of Corvette. From high-speed attractions like the National Corvette Museum and Beach Bend Park to outdoor favorites like Lost River Cave and Zipline or family-owned farms and wineries, Bowling Green is geared for fun. Just be sure not to try and fill up at the historic Standard Oil Station in the downtown district. Request your free guide and start planning today at visitbgky.com. Make us part of your daily routine. Alternative Talk, 1150. Welcome back to Trip Talk. Rebecca Shireman is the Manager of Communications and Public Relations at the Kennedy Space Center Visitor Complex, a position she has held since 2017. In her role, Rebecca leads the internal and external communication strategy for the Visitor Complex, as well as overseeing social media efforts. Busy, busy lady, and we welcome her. Thanks so much for making your time available today on Trip Talk, Rebecca. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me today. Oh, you're quite welcome. Delighted to have you. And it shames me a bit to say that even though I've lived in Sarasota, Florida for about a decade, 
there. I have not made it out there to the complex. And wow, do I ever want to get out there and see all that it has to offer. So please tell us in whatever way works for you. We'd love to have an overview of what it means to go out to that very hallowed and special American place. Yes. Well, you definitely need to make the easy drive over here for a visit. Um, Kennedy Space Center Visitor Complex is where the public can really see, feel, and understand the story of the U.S. space program. We have hands-on interactive experiences, and we have rockets. We have rocket launches. Um, we have lots of fun activities that will be educational and fun for families and people of all ages, all generations. So you can't get any closer to space than at Kennedy Space Center. The visitor complex is organized, as I understand it, Rebecca, into mission zones where attractions and tours seem to be grouped chronologically, I mean by era. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. Yes. So upon entering the visitor complex, one of the first things you'll see is Heroes and Legends, which is all about the early space explorers, their original Mercury 7 astronauts that were really truly pioneers um, of, the, of that time. Um, the first men to go into space and really kind of sets the stage for the rest of the um, history of the program. Um, after Heroes and Legends, you go into the Rocket Garden, which is just as it says, a garden full of rockets, um, real rockets that, of course, never flew, um, but actual rockets, including our newest addition, which is a Delta II rocket um, that we just recently installed in the garden um this march actually so um so from there then you have um the apollo saturn 5 center which is all about those um amazing feats to get to the moon and then of course space shuttle atlantis which is just breathtaking exhibit about the space shuttle program um, with the actual orbiter that flew for over 20 years um, and we also have some things about the future of the space program in uh, NASA now, uh, which talks about what we're doing currently with crewed launches happening once again from American soil and what we're doing in the future uh, to get back to the moon and eventually to Mars. This brings back so many memories for me, Rebecca. There, And just by the sound of your voice, I'm going to suggest that probably you weren't around in 1969. <laughs> I was not, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I sure was. I'm a baby boomer. And I can tell you that the night that the Apollo 11 mission landed on the moon and uh, Neil Armstrong took those first steps for all of mankind and all of history, I went outside our den where we were watching Walter Cronkite covering it, you know, and, and oh, Wally yeah. Shira, the whole gang was there at CBS and they were providing this, this round the clock coverage. I stepped outside there and I looked up at the moon, which was plainly visible in the California sky at that point. I looked up there and I just fixed my eyes on it. I just trained my sight on it. And I told myself, which I remember as clear today as if, it happened just yesterday. I looked up at the moon and I said, you will never forget this night. You will never forget mm -hmm. this moment. You're looking up at the moon and there are men on the moon right now for the first mm -hmm. time in human history. And this is something you will never, ever forget. And I never have. 
as an yeah. accomplishment for all of humanity. Look at all we I said earlier, 23,957 days separated the Wright brothers at Kitty Hawk from mankind's first landing on the moon. And look at all that had to happen in those 66 years to make that happen. So much of it is represented where you work. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing to see how people of different generations react to each of the experiences here at the visitor complex, because yeah, you have so many people that will remember the moon landing and it's incredible to walk into the Apollo Saturn V Center and see that Saturn V rocket, which is ginormous, the ultimate definition of ginormous. And it really encapsulates, encapsulates what it took to get to the moon, how much power it took and what effort it took and how many people were involved in it to make that successful. So it's really an inspiration and a day for everyone to just feel proud of the accomplishments, you know, not just of Americans, but of humans. Yes, absolutely. And I don't mind tossing this in because I'm rather proud to say that um, I had a relationship with a young woman many years ago whose father was one of the engineers at NASA that designed the fuel lines for the Saturn V rocket. Wow, that's he amazing. Was, he was in on the creation of that. Yeah. Wow, what a conversation we had. That was really something to get to know somebody who was on the inside. And it leads me to ask you, Rebecca, in terms of retrieving, reconditioning, making whatever repairs might be necessary, and otherwise getting them ready for presentation, what is the process like? Because these are irreplaceable originals. You can have as many models as you want, but there's only <laughs> one of the first, right? Right, right. Yes. I mean, it is a huge undertaking to acquire and, you know, restore in most cases and maintain these priceless artifacts. And so we have an entire team that naturally, as you can imagine, just focuses on that. Um, so we work hard to try and represent each era of, you know, space flight, including the current and future missions and now space partners that NASA is working with as well. Um, so we wanna just make sure that we are stewards, good stewards of these artifacts. And uh, we work really hard to do that. And um, for instance, the Delta II, um, we worked with United Launch Alliance. Um, they had one rocket left that they were using for spare parts, if you will. Um, and they decided uh, thankfully to allow Kennedy Space Center Visitor Complex to be the place where that last Delta II rocket would be. Um, and that way, you know, people will be able to remember that particular rocket. The people that worked on that rocket can come and see it. And it's just a testament to, you know, that organization and the people who worked um, on it as well. So that's a really important part of what we do is not only to honor the past, but inspire the next generation of space explorers. And we do that you know, through these artifacts and um, the interactive experiences so that, you know, a five-year-old can look at the Saturn V rocket while it's huge. We went to the moon, you know, that's hard to imagine for somebody who maybe isn't, wasn't alive at that time. Um, so we work hard to make sure that those artifacts are represented in a way that speaks to every generation, you know, not just the people who remember it when it happened. 
there's more to be said along those lines, but I don't want to neglect to mention something that I would, I would call it quirky, but that's to do it in injustice, really, Rebecca. Tell us about the Moon Tree Garden. Sure. Well, um, the Moon Tree Garden is made up of trees that were grown from seeds um, that were came from seeds that flew to the moon. Um, so we worked with Rosemary Rusa, who's the daughter of Apollo 14 astronaut Stuart Rusa, and she has a nonprofit called the Moon Tree Foundation. And we actually had a moon tree that was at the visitor complex that was unfortunately lost during a hurricane. And so um, as part of our celebration and reimagining of the Apollo Center and Five Center for the 50th anniversary of the moon landing, um, we decided to have another moon tree. And um, what's better than one moon tree would be several moon trees. And we have 12 now in the moon tree garden that represent each of the crewed Apollo missions. Um, so it is something that's pretty unique. I, I think quirky can be, um, you know, a great description of it because it's something that you don't necessarily make a connection with, you know, trees and space and seeds. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're really proud to have that. And, and as part of that moon tree garden, we have a beautiful sculpture of Apollo 11 astronauts, Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, and Michael Collins. And, um, it's really a beautiful place because um, we have guests that will watch rocket launches from that area as well. And so it, it's almost as if, you know, the three astronauts, they're kind of looking towards the launch pads of today. Um, so they get, you know, they're, they're looking over those uh, rocket launches too, which is, I think, a, a really cool tie-in um, to the past and the present. It does. It sounds beautiful. And you said past and present. There it, it needs to be said that the feeling that you have for the monumental achievement of, of NASA, of the American scientists, the American people in supporting this for so many years, also is what creates a hallowed sense, I rather imagine, I still have yet to get there, but a <laughs> hallowed sense of being present in a way for all that it took to get us to the moon and then in other aspects like the space shuttle program even to today and i say that rebecca because you couldn't have an apollo 11 without an apollo 1 and i still remember the day when i watched on the news at what happened to those dear souls and my favorite astronaut was ed white there, what happened to them at the very beginning of our effort to reach the moon. We had to overcome not only the weight of science and, and gravity pressing down, but also of tragedy. Yes, that's very true. You know, there, there were tragedies, you know, within the space program. And we do have, um, you know, memorials, tributes to, to all of those who were lost in that pursuit. And, you know, we think it's important to tell that story, too, of course, because those we wouldn't get where we were without those lessons. Um, and unfortunately, you know, that's a difficult uh, topic to, you know, discuss. But I think we do it in a way that's respectful of, you know, the families, the astronauts, and in a way that, you know, focuses on what we learned and how we improved and made things safer and understanding that I don't think any of those astronauts would have wanted the programs to cease because of what happened. Um, so, you know, by continuing those programs, that was the ultimate honor for those astronauts. 
Oh, well said, well said. And in view of all that the astronauts experienced, all that they endured and the triumph of the program, the, the space race, the race to the moon, how does the visitor center complex honor the astronauts? I understand that they have their own hall of fame. Yes, we do have the U.S. Astronaut Hall of Fame, which uh, features, you know, you think of all astronauts are obviously the best of the best, and then the Hall of Fame astronauts are the best of the best of the best. <laughs> and um, it's, uh, it's a really moving place, too, because, you know, you really think about what it takes to become an astronaut. And these astronauts were selected by their peers to be in the Hall of Fame. And so I think it's that much more honorable that, uh, you know, that they're there. So um, we do an induction almost every year for the astronauts. Of course, um, last year we did not have an induction due to COVID, um, but we will be in, um, inducting three astronauts um, this coming fall. So we look forward to adding more to that display. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, ongoing honors. And I, I guess this is as good a time as any because people are just starting to come out now. They're wondering, you know, we hear about things like the Delta variant. They're, oh, Lord, we thought we were totally past this. Uh, vaccination rates uh, aren't exactly where we would want them to be. Some people don't want to be vaccinated at all. All of these considerations. And yet you had to help manage and you were you know, in charge of all these communications. How did you cope with the COVID-19 pandemic in terms of keeping this ideal of the Kennedy Space Center and its visitor complex alive in people's imaginations as they prepare to go out on the road again and come visit you? Right. I mean, of course, like most organizations, the health and safety of our guests and our crew members is the highest importance to us. So we have, um, you know, since our initial reopening, have thoughtfully um, worked through the process and procedures to keep everyone safe, um, following the CDC, you know, directives and guidance. And then, of course, we have local, you know, state and federal um, experts that have helped us along the way as well. So, um, you know, we're still following those procedures. Uh, we're still at a reduced capacity. We still are, are encouraging our guests to, you know, socially distance um, when possible. We're still following enhanced cleaning measures so that, you know, frequently touched surfaces are cleaned more often, encouraging, you know, hand washing. And um, our, our employees are wearing masks inside um, and um, that's everyone, but our guests, if they're fully vaccinated, um, are no longer required to wear a mask. Um, so, you know, I think by just staying as, um, following as closely as possible with all the recommendations and, you know, being conservative from the very beginning, um, as far as, you know, what we can do to keep our guests safe. Um, and that's what we've been doing. And, you know, we thankfully have been able to offer this experience for people. You know, we are seeing that people are still interested in learning about space and coming to see rocket launches because we did have our first crewed mission from American soil um, at the end of May last year. So, um, you know, the, the progress is still taking place. So people are still wanting to be a part of it. And we want to safely accommodate those who would like to be a part of those experiences. 
this so echoes what I remember. I'm continually dating myself here, Rebecca, there, <laughs> but I remember watching again live coverage of the Apollo 11 astronauts being shoehorned into a trailer because there was some concern about contamination <laughs> on <Yeah>. the lunar <laughs> surface and what did, what might they have brought back to Earth with them. And let me tell you, and I do not exaggerate, those gentlemen were not at all happy being cooped up in that special trailer. They wanted to see their families again, but it was not deemed safe. So you talk about being conservative. That's right. the way NASA <laughs> approached it. And those guys were not happy. Right, right. Yes. I mean, we, we certainly hope that people, you know, can have some sort of trust, you know, in, in NASA and that, you know, that hopefully gives them a level of confidence that they can come here safely and, you know, enjoy seeing um, a rocket launch or um, Space Shuttle Atlantis or other experiences. Before we get to the tours, what's available, how you go about it, some buses are involved as well, very earthly transportation to get you around. <laughs> we'll get that from Rebecca in just a moment. But please tell the listeners about Virtual Camp KSC for Kennedy Space Center. That's something that had to be modified because of the pandemic. Virtual Camp KSC, it, and it used to be the popular Camp KSC. I assume that's coming back at some point. Yes, we actually are right now hosting Camp KSC in person, and um, we have thankfully had a, a good interest still in that um, this year. Of course, we did not have any camps last year, and um, since we didn't have the ability to have camps last year, we created a virtual Camp KSC uh, as a Zoom program um, that kids can uh, log into, and we have our education staff that's there live and um, showing kids how to do experiments. Um, they, you know, launch their own rockets. Um, they do all kinds of fun engineering and science, technology, and um, it's just, I think, a really great way for kids who are unable to travel or who just don't want to travel. Um, and from, we've had kids from all over the country and even some from out of the country that have participated. It's been very popular um, and fun and a great way for kids, you know, to learn about the space program and do some hands-on fun things too, without having to travel here to do camp. A good alternative. So now we come to the part of our program where we talk about getting there in terms of Brevard County and Merritt Island, the Space Coast more generally known. And uh, you know about that, Rebecca, because you uh, professionally worked on behalf of it. When it comes to the Space Coast and all of this, you're really pretty much the go-to gal, I must say, <laughs> for all of this information. So let's say, okay, me and my wife want to go there. How do I pick from among the many options to choose in coming to see the complex? Well, you know, we have plenty of options, ways to get here. Um, you know, the easiest is, you know, we're 45 minutes from Orlando, just, just east. Um, it's an easy drive. And um, closest airport is, you know, Orlando. Uh, there's a local Melbourne airport as well, a little south of here. Um, so it's really a nice drive. We're located on a wildlife uh, refuge, which a lot of people find um, <laughs> kind of ironic. Um, so driving in, you can see gators, you can see bald eagles, you can see osprey. It's, um, it's a really cool drive uh, into 
uh, Kennedy Space Center as well. And then you'll see rockets right alongside of them. And the idea that people will get on buses to go to various places logistically, and that's fine. I don't mind getting on a bus. If I'm going to the rocket garden, I mean, I can take a bus ride anytime. But in terms of the logistics, how does it work once you are there? So once you are here, um, we do have buses that take you to the Apollo Center and Five Center. So Kennedy Space Center is kind of like the, um, you know, a military base where you need a badge to get on property. But on our buses, we take you behind the gates, and that's where the Apollo Center and Five Center is. So you can see the launch pads. Um, you can see, you know, the all of the exhibits about the Apollo programs. Um, so it's pretty simple once you get here um, to go there. We normally do a tour. Um, right now, we're not able to do that because of um, the regulations with COVID um, on NASA's property. Uh, but hopefully we'll be able to do that in the near future. And on that tour, you just get a little bit more um, things to see on Kennedy Space Center. So it's really interesting. It's the only way you can kind of see behind the gates is on our tour buses. I think that's a great way to do it. And it seems like there is a multiplicity of ways that you can enjoy the center. It isn't just one stop here and then there and then there. You actually get to choose. And I'm sure people come back many times because of all the variety. Absolutely. I mean, we hope that people will come back, you know, more than once. Um, I talk to a lot of people who say, oh, I, you know, I came on a field trip in the fifth grade and I haven't been back. And, you know, it's so much has changed and we're constantly adding, you know, new artifacts. We're building new attractions. You know, we're enhancing what we're doing. Um, so, you know, we really encourage people if, if you're you know, within driving distance to ha get the annual pass, you can come back multiple times um, or just, you know, come back as often as you're in the area and see what's new and hopefully see a rocket launch while you're here. Great ideas all. Rebecca, please tell people where they can go and visit you online. We are at kennedyspacecenter.com. Well, that's easy to remember. Kennedyspacecenter.com. <laughs> yeah, Beautiful. we like to make it easy. Rebecca Shireman, Manager of Communications and Public Relations at the Kennedy Space Center Visitor Complex. So much pleasure in meeting you. I'm delighted that we had the chance to talk. And with new things coming up all the time, Rebecca, let's do this again and we'll learn some more. I'm sure our listeners really enjoyed listening to you today. Well, thank you so much for having me. And uh, hopefully we'll see you soon. You will. That's for sure. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning into American Road Trip Talk, along with Thomas and Becky Rep, co-founders of American Road Magazine. We remind you to visit our website, AmericanRoadMagazine.com, to preview the current issue. Until next time, dream well and drive safely on the American Road. Hi everybody, this is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please, get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure.